0: Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas, and this is the podcast where I put my article content in an audio format so that you can choose to listen to the article, or you can go on the website and read the article. For a double bonus, you can do both. But I realize that a lot of people are on the run, and we do have this common grace that God has given us through technology to where we can Listen to wonderful resources while we're driving along in our vehicles or jogging or whatever whatever we may be doing. I know one lady likes to listen to your daily drive while she's vacuuming, and that is fantastic. Just turn it up and vacuum away each of these podcasts. Typically, they're 30 minutes in length, and so you can get 30 minutes of vacuuming done as you listen to me in your ear. The title of this podcast is Essential Qualities of an Effective Husband, and of course, that's the title of the article on the website, too. You can go there if you want to read it. I would encourage you to do that. There's a lot here. I have articles embedded inside this article. If you really want to explore this idea of being an effective husband, if you want to enhance your marriage. Just look for essential qualities of an effective husband. If you want to talk to me about this article here or any other matter, for that matter, all you have to do is go to our website. We have two types of forums. We have a a public forum, and anybody in the world can access it. There's no cost. You just need the internet, and so you have that if you're listening to me right now. You'll have to make a username and a password so you'll have a unique name and password so that we can interact with you uniquely. And once you do that, you're set up, you're good to go. We also have private forums for our supporting member community. We have a small community of folks who underwrite this ministry. And by the way, if you're not helping us, let me make that appeal right now. Would you support this ministry? If you have benefited from it if you see potential here where it can help people we reach hundreds of thousands of people every year literally hundreds of thousands of people we are a missional ministry we come alongside the local church supplementing helping the local church to do christianity more effectively and if you would like to support us please go to our website And do that. We need more people in our supporting community. I have a lot of ideas and we have a lot of requests, by the way. A lot of folks ask, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you add this and add that? Well, yes, we would love to do that, but we need support in order for that to happen. And if you would like to support us, I would really appreciate it. And so, this is let me give you a warning here in this podcast because. Each podcast, each article, if it's a good article or a good sermon, a good lesson, it's going to have one good point. You want to make one point. A sermon, an article, a podcast, it's like a long pencil. You move down the pencil and you come to a point. You don't have many points, multiple points, because that's really not fair to the reader or the listener. You want to make one good point and you want to hone in on it and be clear and, and do it well. Well, I have one point here and it's to the husbands not to the wives. Cuz here's the temptation. I'm going to drive hard in this podcast and the temptation will be for some husbands to say, "Yeah, yeah, what about what about my what about my wife?" And it does come up. I've been doing counseling for a long time and I know the temptation. I know the temptation personally for me to begin to address in the speck before I deal sufficiently with my log. And so I want to make an appeal to you, husbands, stay in this lane. Let's just talk about you. Let's just make this about you. We'll we'll deal with wives and other podcasts and other content. Love to do that. I've got scores of information on our website about wives. But this here is for the husbands guard against jumping into the wife lane, focus exclusively on on you and if you do that you'll benefit the most from this podcast here essential qualities of an effective husband i want to start this by talking about my my grandfather my grandfather passed away in 1969 i was 10 years old at the time he lived right beside us and so i saw him all the time my grandfather was an expert gardener. He he has he had multiple gardens of various sizes. This is what a lot of folks did back in those days. They weren't necessarily farmers, as you think about large-scale farmers, even though there are a lot of those. But nearly everyone that lived out in the country, as we did, they had a garden. And my grandfather was Amazing when it came to taking care of a garden. Now I didn't appreciate it at the time because the truth is we had to tend the garden. He he had us out there weeding the garden and picking the beans and shelling the beans and and doing a lot of work. And so I didn't get the warm and fuzzies back in the day, but now I'm an older man and I reflect back on what he accomplished, and he was an amazing gardener. He took care of his garden and the harvest. Oh, my word. We sat on his back porch many a fall, shelling peas and shucking corn and and doing all kinds of things with all the produce that he produced. Grandpa was careful. He was meticulous. He was skilled, I'm not sure if a weed ever stayed in his garden more than a day. It was a thing of beauty. From sunup to sundown, he tended his garden. And though he did many other things with his life, he had a particular passion for gardening. Maybe he was just motivated because this is how they fed themselves. This is also how we were fed since we were on food stamps and we didn't have a lot of money. And so we had a lot out of my grandfather's garden. He knew his business, that's what I'm saying. And he was good at it. He was not obsessive, but he was proactive and caring. He took gardening seriously. The fruit of his hands was on full display, primarily when it was harvest time. He kept one eye on the daily needs of the garden while keeping the other eye on the future harvest come Fall, with the end in mind, he did the daily work that was necessary to satisfy his future hope and expectation. It's an adage, but entirely applicable here. Grandpa got what he paid for because he invested himself in the process. Now, you may be asking the question, why am I telling you this? And that's a fair question. Well, Here you go. I'm telling you this because a gardener is an excellent analogy to what a biblical husband should aspire to be. There are two fundamental ideas that I want to convey in this podcast. I hope that I can accomplish these two things. Number one, envision husbands about their job description, and number two, Place the first responsibility of the marriage in the lap of the husband or rather than in the lap of his wife. Now, I'm going to come back to this again a little bit later, but I want to say it a second time. This podcast is focusing exclusively on the husband. And so let's stay in this lane. We can talk about the wife at another time and her responsibility. She doesn't get an out. She's not let off the hook, but this is for you, dear husband. And speaking of husband, the word husband is an old word. It, it comes from husbandman. Perhaps you have heard this word. For those of you who are familiar with the King James Bible, you have heard this word. A husbandman is a husband. In modern parlance, it would be called a tiller of the soil. We know a husband in our day as a gardener. That's why I'm using the simpler term and just saying a husband is a gardener. And a husband in an analogous sense is a gardener. And that's why I was sharing with you this story about my grandfather, because as I understood how he took care of his garden and the fruit that came from his garden, I can learn some wonderful things about this art of husbandry. If you want to know if a gardener can garden, all you have to do is look at his garden, which is how I learned that my grandfather was a master gardener. The proof was in the bountiful harvest we enjoyed each fall. I would not recommend that you go to a gardener and say, hey, are you a good gardener? More than likely, he'll put his best foot forward. I'm not saying that he will be deceitful, but the best thing that you can do, if you want to know if a person knows how the garden, let's say he has a garden out back, well, just walk out back and look at his garden. Don't talk to him. His garden will tell you everything that you need to know about his skill. If you want to know if a husband is a master gardener and that he understands and practices the art of husbandry well, look at his garden. And of course, the husband's garden is his wife. She is the most explicit and most accurate reflection of his gifting his attentiveness, his passion, his love, and his leadership. There's not another human being on the face of the planet who has been impacted more than a man's wife. He sleeps with her. He sees her and she sees him 24-7, He and she are together in a public way, and they are together in a private way. She experiences him in ways that no other human being can and or should experience him. She is the number one person who has been impacted the most by her husband. When a couple comes to me for counseling... We're always making assessments as counselors. And, and when this is, and when we're talking about marriage counseling, one of the initial assessments that I make pertains to the wife. If their marriage is more than a few years old, I want to discern his husbandry ability, his skill, his gifting, his leadership style, and his capacities. Well, one of the ways that I can do this is by, assessing his garden, his wife. It's the most obvious way to do this. I want to know how his performance as a husband has affected her. I do not ask him about these things because more objective data is sitting in the room with us. It's her. I have counseled many husbands through the years, and I've asked them how their marriage is going. And if I'm meeting them alone, I will get an answer That will be different than if I ask the same question with his wife sitting in the room. It's one of the reasons that I rarely will counsel a husband or a wife by themselves. I want them together. I want to be talking to them together. I want to hear their responses. I want to see them interact with each other. When the gardener and the garden are together, you'll get your best data. If you want to know if a gardener knows how to garden, don't ask him. The same is true for husbands. If you want to know, if he knows how to be a husband, take a look at his wife. The garden will reveal his skill level. That's the formula. A husband equals a gardener. A wife equals a garden. We see this idea more clearly in Ephesians as it pertains to our Savior. He's the model for all husbands who are called to lay down their lives for their wives, And dying for your wife, that's quote, end quote, as far as the word dying is concerned, is necessary. It's a necessary characteristic when talking about the art of husbandry. Here's the passage of scripture, and you are familiar with it. Ephesians 5, you've heard it many times, I'm quite sure. 25, 26, 27, it says, Paul said, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, we are familiar with the first part of this text. We probably hear it more than any other part of this paragraph. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Though we see what Christ did, Christ laid down his life. He died for her. We don't talk as much about what he gets in return for his work. This is the second part of the passage. Yes, we are to lay down our lives for them. But what about what we get? What do we get in return for our work? What is the harvest? What is the fruit? that he receives for his work. Well, 527 says that. Listen to it again. That Christ might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Do you see what he gets for his effort? He will receive in some future day the work of his hands. You could say it this way he will get a return on his investment. Paul pushes this gospel truth right into the heart of our marriages by giving us an exhortation about how husbands have a responsibility in the overall sanctification and care of their wives. If a man has been gardening, married, for a few years— There will be objective evidence of his labors as seen in his wife. This data could be negative or positive or a little of both depending on the work of the husband. His wife is exhibit A of what he has been doing since he married her. If he has been working hard, cultivating the ground of her heart, she will more than likely be responding positively. Now, no doubt, and I mentioned this a couple times, I'm going to come back around to it one final time because I know there will be husbands listening to this podcast. And here's what they're going to say, some version of, you don't know my wife. If you were married to her, you would not be so presumptuous about this gardening thing. And I would say to that husband that you are accurate. I don't know your wife. But here's the problem. In fact, it is highly problematic for any husband to frame his initial response to this podcast that way. If the first thing that comes out of your mouth is the problem With your wife, then you are standing on unbiblical ground. In my counseling experience, I have never interacted with a troubled marriage where both partners were not at fault. But the most likely person to begin with when restoring a marriage is the husband because he is the leader of the home. If a ship is going down, I want to talk to the captain of the vessel, and I don't mean any disrespect, but not to the first mate. Too many times the husband will shrink back from his role in the gardening process by talking about how his wife is the main problem. This tactic is not how any biblical husband should begin talking about the problems in their marriage. If he is humble, he will want to own his role in the marriage in the dysfunction that's happening in their marriage rather than taking a blame-shifting stance. The wise gardener will want to figure out what he needs to do before he starts addressing the plants. The husband should always begin with his failure in the marriage that has gone sour. I, I know. I get it. Guess what? Your wife has issues. I know that. The doctrine of sin. I do understand, even in my limited way, I understand the doctrine of sin, and it it informs me about this. Your wife has problems, and my wife has problems too, but that cannot be my starting point. I mean, the truth is, who is not messed up? Of course your wife is a challenge to disciple, Of course your wife has things that need to change. Of course your wife is not perfect. These things are common sense. They're a biblical common sense. I get it. None of us was a prize worth saving when God redeemed us from destruction. Still yet, Christ did not look at us, then choose to pass over us because of the difficulty and the challenges. Of the task at hand. No, what did he do? He took the responsibility in hand. He rolled up his sleeves and began digging in the weeds of our lives. He did this by setting aside his life, Philippians chapter 2, 2 through 6, and dying for us, Romans 5 8. It would be misguided for a husband to begin by complaining about his wife before addressing his gardening deficiencies. If you really want to grow in the art of husbandry, don't begin by cursing the soil or kicking the dirt. Begin in your heart. Now, notice I said begin. It doesn't mean you're going to stay there. It doesn't mean that's all you're going to do. But that is where you want to start. A wife would have to be unsaved or insane not to respond to a humble man who is seeking to understand her. Love her, lead her. Now, I know that admittedly, there are exceptions to this idea, and some women can be plain mean. But don't be too quick to put your wife in the camp of the mean-spirited women. I have met a lot of mean women in my time, but in most cases, being mean is not how they want to be. Now, I'm not excusing their current meanness. But I'm also not ignoring the deficiencies of the gardener that they married. In today's culture, boys are not trained to be husbands. It's almost an assumption that they will unlock the mysteries of the art of husbandry after they are married. No, they will not. The ignorance they bring into their marriages will stay in their marriages if nobody helps them. If your marriage is still in its infancy, it would be understandable as to why you may be a novice in the art of husbandry. It is also understandable that your garden may need more work than an older and mature garden would need. But if you've been married for five years or more, your wife is exhibit A. She is an objective representation of your love and your care or your lack of love and your lack of care. If your wife has a lot of weeds and if you're not sure how to proceed, I encourage you to find help. Ask somebody. Ask your small group leader. Ask your pastor. Ask somebody that you have confidence in who is competent in God's word and knows how to bring it practically to your life Ask them for help. Spend dedicated time learning the art of husbandry. There is no shame in that. We all must learn at some point. By all means, do not become angry, frustrated, apathetic, or disappointed if your garden is not meeting your expectations. That kind of response will not help your circumstances at all. My grandfather knew how to grow stuff, and though he may have been perplexed from time to time, I assume he was, I don't know that, to be honest with you. He seemed like he had skills and had no issues, but I'm thinking that he was human and he was probably perplexed from time to time, occasionally stumped, but he always persevered with a little hope and a whole lot of sweat. A friend of mine was recently commenting to me how she rarely sees couples who have been married for a while who are apparently still in love with each other. Isn't that a sad commentary on our Christian marriages? Too many marriages are more snippy than playful, more critical than encouraging, more hopeless than joyful, more business partners than lovers, more like an arranged marriage than a passionate romance. More like a chore to be endured than a union to be enjoyed. These problems are not how things ought to be. We have the transformative power of the gospel working in us. We have the word of God to guide us. We have the spirit of God to illuminate us. We have the community of God to come around us. The weeds of this world should never choke out the practical wisdom and the power that God provides for his children Let's wrap this up with a call to action. Now that you have an avi- you have a vision, let's make it practical. Now that you know that you are a garden and your job is to practice the skill of husbandry, I want to ask you a few questions that I would like for you to think about. Think through these questions and apply them if you need to. Maybe, probably you will go to our website, get on this article, Essential Qualities of an Effective Husband, and you can print this thing off. You can copy and paste these questions if you want to. You can put them in a journal. Do whatever you need to do to think about If you are a journaling person, begin writing during your quiet times. If you're not a journaler, find a close friend that you can talk about this podcast with these questions are for husbands with the hope of changing them first and their marriage next. Question number 1, how would you write I'm sorry. How would you rate your passion for husbandry? And in what ways do you need to change? Maybe you just need to spend time in your closet, on your knees, begging God to give you a passion for this idea of being a biblical husband. Number two, what is your general assessment of your marriage and how do you need to change to make it better? Number three, what tools do you need to become a better husbandman? Now, if you don't know, What a rake is or a hoe or a shovel or you don't know these gardening implements, you do need to talk to somebody so you can get the tools you need. Number four, what are your husbandry weaknesses? And tied to that, number five, will you go to a trusted friend and ask him to give his honest assessment of you? as a husband do you have that kind of courage do you have that kind of humility number 6 how much time and in what ways do you pray for your wife follow up will you begin praying more for her in specific ways number 7 write out the fruit of the spirit in galatians 5:22 through 23 love joy peace patience kindness Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Write them down on a list, on a piece of paper from top to bottom, all nine elements, and rate your wife in each one of these nine areas. Number eight. What practical things can you do to help her better represent or model the fruit of the Spirit in her life? After you rate her, now how can you help her to better, more effectively model those nine elements in her life? Number nine, go to your wife and discuss with her what you have journaled or what you have reflected on during your quiet times. What, what have you and the Lord discussed? Can you share those things. Will you share those things with your wife? Number 10, ask her opinion about all these matters. And both of you pray together, asking the father for his continued intervening care in your marriage. This is a whopper of a homework assignment, but if you're humble If your wife is in the place to where you can talk about these things, then go for it. If your wife is not in the place to where you can talk about these things, you can still do this in your closet with your father, and you can continue to change regardless of what she may or may not do. In the first part of this podcast, I used quite a few words You wouldn't know them because they were spread throughout when I was talking about my grandfather. Let me list them for you. Here are some of the words I mentioned. Expert, careful, meticulous, skilled, tended, passion, proactive, caring, serious, harvest, end in mind, daily work, future hope, expectations, and invested. Those were some of the words that I mentioned at the top of this podcast. As you get through this assignment, what I would like for you to do is to go to that trusted friend, preferably your wife. But if you can't do that, go to a trusted friend and ask him to help you to change in the areas where you need to change. Here are the words again that you can assess yourself. Expert are you? Careful are you? Meticulous, skilled, tended, passion, proactive, caring, serious, harvest, end in mind, daily work, future, hope expectations, and invested. The title of the podcast and the article, Essential Qualities of an Effective Husband. If you would like to talk about these things, jump on our website, rickthomas.net. It would be a pleasure to talk. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.